goats and gardens are not a good not a good oh, combination yeah. they would eat all the good stuff too right <laughs> yeah absolutely they, they... hi everyone thanks for joining this is seeking sustainability live i'm jj walsh your host for this podcast today i have the pleasure of talking once again with ian davy he has an echo house he did a lot of interesting remodel to save energy and to save water very self-sufficient in terms of growing food for the family he raises animals chickens and goats he's also right next to a very beautiful lake biwa in shiga prefecture so he is also active with beach cleanups so we talk about a variety of topics here he's very inspiring he's learning it all as he's going working really hard getting his kids involved. I'm always inspired when I talk to Ian about trying new things and looking for things around the house or garden that I can do to make my family more self-sufficient. So I hope you are inspired as well. It was August when we talked last time. So it's been just about a year. We're catching up on on all your projects and doing a little review. Thank you so much for joining again, Ian. Well, thank you for asking me back. Yeah, it's fun. Thank you. Wonderful. So you're, you started this project about 10 years ago, is that right? Uh, doing an echo house? That's right, yeah. We um, moved out here about 11 years ago and uh, we were living in a the small back house while we were doing the design and the build of the main house. Yes. Yeah. That's that's awesome. We want to talk about a lot of the wonderful sustainability features that you're doing with the house. But before we start that, let's talk a little bit about cleanup because I'm focused on uh, cleaning up the beaches, getting plastic and trash out of the waterways from World yeah. Ocean Day, which was June 8th until Umi no Hi, which in Japan is Marine Day, July 22nd. So tell me a little bit about the the cleanups that you do, because you're right there on the water. Yeah, well, yeah, as you say, we're, we're lucky that the beach is right in front of us. So we're, we're there, every, you know, every day. So we do see the trash arriving kind of <laughs> on a daily basis. So basically the kids, our children, every now and then they clean up or they're told to clean up so we we go along the beach tidying up one of the main problems unfortunately is you know local people burning trash regularly on the beach which is that maybe creates the biggest problem so i think it's very different from the sea trash we don't have as although there's a picture of the nets we don't have as we don't have the fishing tackle problem which of course is is one of the main problems in in the sea on on beaches yeah so and i'm showing the picture this is from your garden you can see lake biwa so it's such a big lake that it is kind of like a beach right you have almost waves coming in if the wind is high and it it kind of feels like your your beach side there is that right Absolutely, yeah. Um, Three weeks ago, we had a very strong onshore, uh, which is quite unusual, kind of storm with large waves. 
and the whole all the coast was uh, littered with about half a meter of like uh, detritus which was from the other side and uh, one of the main problems was that the they don't they don't manage the uh, washi so you know the the long weeds as they used to they don't cut it and use it as they used to so the detritus kind of builds up and that washes out when there's flooding and the wind's in the right direction. So we actually had to get um, the local guy with the bulldozer and actually help us pack it all up for the city to take it away. So that happens about maybe twice a year or if there's a typhoon, of course, that causes a lot of trouble. Uh, and it's not just bamboo, of course, there's yeah, plastic bottles and lots of other plastics in there, which have to be separated yeah. before it's taken away. Yeah. And one of the interesting things, you're not on the sea, but you found this plastic netting. And this is, of course, in the sea, this is a big problem. It catches a lot of uh, marine life and kills them because they're caught in the net. But even on Lake Biwa, you have this plastic netting and it didn't yep. catch marine life. It caught snakes. Yep. I don't know why. Maybe it was it smelt of fish, possibly. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. There were, how many? Was it two snakes in there? I, I rescued no, three snakes. So I rescued two of them, I think. And unfortunately, one had died. Wow. Not a nice way to go, but uh, yeah, of course, it highlights the problem of plastic and uh, wildlife fatality. So, yeah, that they those if it's made of plastic, it just lasts for hundreds of years. We don't even know how yeah. long yet because plastic is kind no. of a new problem, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I have no, no idea. Yeah, um, of course, crazy. there is fishing on on Lake Biwa, so there is there is netting around. Yeah. So I've been listening to a lot of the Ocean Impact um, Group, um, which does a lot of their work in Australia, but around the world, and talking about solutions to hmm. environmental impact of the ocean. And one of the things they're targeting is netting. Um, they had some great solutions about also seaweed. So because Lake Biwa is so big, do you have seaweed in Lake Biwa? There's a kind of uh, sea grass similar you know similar to the ocean but the that was wiped out uh three years in our area it was wiped out this the sea floor the sorry sea floor the lake the lake bed became completely barren and it hasn't come back yet so i, I don't know what's going on with that but um yeah. i'm not sure if that would have the same properties as the the seaweed that they're making the edible plastic in um but yeah that's a wonderful solution yeah, and it, it absorbs carbon. It's like, yeah, growing, it uh, creates oxygen. There's so much potential for seaweed. I'm so excited. Um, yes, I just yeah. wondered if it would be possible in the lake as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, yeah, like I say, the there is like the sea grass looks almost the same. Uh, sorry, lake grass, I guess you'd call it. And yeah, it can draw down huge, I think the certainly in the sea, it has a huge potential for drawing down lots of carbon. Um, yeah, that, I think that's getting more and more attention, actually, which is great. Yeah. Uh, you also had a little quiz, I noticed online, you were asking what this collection on top of the water was, and I thought maybe it was sun cream. Oh, yeah. um, but can you reveal what is it? 
Right now? Yeah, it's the um, pollen. It's the powder from the pine trees, which were are along the beach. You can just see the shadow. So I'm actually under the pine trees. And as the breeze was coming, we were, it was like the trees were literally smoking. It was, yeah, first time I'd seen it actually in 10 years. So, yeah, quite interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, let, okay, let's talk about your house design. Now, for anybody who didn't catch our talk last year, tell us a little bit about your house remodel, how you wanted to design it. You were talking last year about wanting to create an echo house and you had certain features that you yeah. were aiming for. Can you run us through those? Sure, yeah. Well, the picture is quite a, yeah, it's quite revealing. The, um, the design that we did was started with the roof. We got the angle. It's like 29 degrees, uh, you can see. So we wanted to maximize that to, well, sorry, we, want, we wanted that to maximize the solar efficiency of panels. And, uh, and that's where the rest of the house followed the pitch of the roof and the size of the roof. Um, other than that, the other main feature was that it was going to be open, yeah, open, open design. So free flow of air for ventilation, and in the in the winter, the heat from the stove would go, you know, circulate around the whole house. And uh, the other feature, I guess, which is I guess connected to the open plan, is is lighting very important to have a lot of light i think natural light so all these things together kind of helping to reduce the need for energy or the efficiency of the house for its own power so that's awesome has yeah. there been anything that was in your original design that now that you've lived in it for a while you thought oh that was really good or i wish we had done this instead yeah, I was very conscious of the uh, amount of concrete going into the house, particularly as we couldn't secure uh, a low carbon, like an alternative, you know, so eco-friendly concrete. So I was very tight, catchy, the word, I guess, on the, the height of the foundations, because you can see maybe from the picture, there is a basement. It's about a meter, uh, 1.8 meters high. It should really be two meters, but I, I cut down just to reduce the amount of concrete. So that's one thing. I mean, it's still usable, the basement, but it's, it's just a little bit, uh, you know, bending down. The other main feature uh, mistake really is that the solar, solar, inverter all the electronics are in our pantry and the pantry is designed of course to keep cool in the summer and to keep you know a, a good temperature in the winter as well so it, it's fully insulated it's facing the back of the house uh, but of course the, the inverter which is inside the pantry uh, creates heat so <laughs> So that should really have been moved to the back, the back door, really, the uh, back entrance, I think. That's, that's the biggest mistake we made, I think. Uh, 
but you you made so many great uh, changes to the original design, even changing it to a front location, front facing. We talked oh, about yes. this last time. The original pension had the back of the building to the view. It just seemed insane. <laughs> yeah, it was facing. Uh, yeah, it was fa <laughs> just facing wasn't facing anywhere it was just facing uh, uh parallel to the coast really yeah so yeah we bought the house to the front uh and as i mentioned you know it's its aspect is facing almost due south it's actually south 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 east yeah so it's it's almost perfect and for the view it is perfect <laughs> Wonderful. Well, yeah. it's it's funny because since we we talked, I I realized that when I visited Hawaii, uh, in Waikiki, one of the most famous hotels, all of their most expensive rooms do not have a sea view, and that's because in the 1800s, most of their tourists were coming by ship, and the last thing they wanted to look <laughs> at was the sea. So. <laughs> So they had to retrofit all of the rooms uh, to make some of the servant rooms, which looked at the sea, become the more expensive suites. So that that yeah. was such an interesting bit of history. Yeah, I don't know if that changed. was true for your house, too. Maybe that was their plan, not to look at the water. Uh, possibly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, we have another problem now. The trees, the many trees we planted are kind of obscuring the view, but... My idea, my image is that the trees, where they are, they're, they're growing and soon we'll be able to see under the canopy. That's that's my hope. So, yeah. Wonderful. So, uh, for, for anybody interested, just to point out, you do have a great website and it's so nice to see our talk there from last year as well. Um, so Shiga Echo House Project. Uh, what's what's the URL? It's a little bit difficult to see there. Well, it's word it's WordPress, and then I F uh, Echo House sixty six. Yeah, WordPress Echo House sixty six. But yeah, you should also mention that I don't post to it very much. <laughs> maybe it's maybe hard, it's today. hard hard to keep up. Uh, with everything but you sent yeah. me some great photos so hopefully people can see a lot of updates today in our talk yeah uh let's let's talk about um animals because you're using animals in your gardening and using that balance between growing food and having proteins self-sufficient proteins was something you were aiming for right yes that's right yeah well as, as we know you know the Protein, animal protein has a very high impact um, compared to plant-based protein. So my idea is that really most, almost all of our protein comes from what we produce. So, you know, yogurt, eggs, uh, milk, and, you know, and occasionally meat. So, yeah, that's the idea behind it, really, is to just try and make the most of the space we have and uh, to, to have, you know, lower our normal impact as much as possible using the space that we have yeah so so i, I think last time you were talking about um having goat's milk two liters every day yeah. is that right are you still able to get that <laughs> yes <laughs> yep unfortunately well yeah yeah we're very lucky <laughs> 
but you know we have we have a we have a, a kind of a rhythm a cycle and it kind of it works out um twice a week we make i make yogurt from the same culture once a week we sell milk to, to a, a local lady i think her, though most of that goes to her dog <laughs> and um we do freeze it occasionally. So when, if, if and when the goat goes offline, we'll, yeah, we'll be able, we'll still have a supply of milk. So, wow. and junk it, and junk it. Junk <laughs> Cinnamon, do you know junk it? No, what's junk it? Well, you just add a, a kind of, a, a kind of uh, gelatine, a, a kind of a thing that makes it into a, a jelly and you just add cinnamon, turmeric, or you know anything uh, honey or sugar and it just makes an instant almost an instant pudding from the milk wow. that's it yeah well i i'm showing on the bottom right uh you made halloumi which is a kind of uh yeah. cheese mm, cheese like right. dish is that right yeah i've sometimes successful but yeah i've tried a number of different cheeses uh hard cheese i haven't managed to perfect yet but uh the halloumi is relatively easy yeah it's uh it kind of takes a long time it takes a couple of hours but um you don't need to mature it particularly and yeah it's has been very successful and the thing with halloumi is you can actually cook with it you you boil it uh once it's made you boil it and that uh, stops it from melting when you use it in in cooking. So you can make things like burgers or you know a lot of vegetarian dishes with it. So yeah. Wow, wild. Yeah. And you use the chickens and the goats as a part of the farming. Can you tell us how that works? Well, they can. They're good at they're good at keeping areas clear of weeds if you need them they they of course fertilize uh the chickens are very good at yeah digging up if you have a new new veggie spot they're good at mixing and uh, adding compost naturally but yeah they're again it's a, it's all cyclical you know we have to have to keep an eye on where the goats are uh overgrazing of course is still a can be a problem um and with the chickens as well, they are—they can be very destructive, actually. So they do have to be kept fairly controlled. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think um, um, Thomas Klepfer, who's an organic farmer in the Hiroshima area down here, he talks about the chicken tractor and moving them area to area to scratch up the ground and to fertilize and to eat some of the weeds yes. and, and bugs. And he also uses goats to clear weeded areas. Um, he lends out the goats as well. Do you ever lend out your goats to people who uh, have a weed problem? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that, but no, I haven't, no. Unfortunately, I would, yeah, I would love to because it would reduce how much farmers are constantly cutting, you know, using. <laughs> yeah. Their, their machines but yeah and this is a nice this is a problem in japan as we have an aging society and a lot of akia abandoned houses as well wouldn't mm. it be great to lend out your goats to some of the akia to keep the weeds down from around the akia the abandoned houses <laughs> that's right yeah absolutely the one the one problem though is one when uh, land is abandoned one of the first 
uh, vegetations to get to, to kind of get become dominant are the very high like pampas grasses they have in Japan. And unfortunately, the goats, they will not touch that. <laughs> so that's a that's a problem. How about bamboo? Because bamboo often takes over the akia, the abandoned houses. Yeah, the the goats can't clear bamboo. They will they will eat it, but they they won't clear it. No, so there is kind of limitation. Um, man, many permaculturalists use kind of a, a mix of animals. They'll send in cows, cattle, or first to trample down. Then maybe they'll send in horses or goats to eat a little bit further down and then pigs to and then finally I think the chicken chickens are always last, I think. <laughs> but yeah, we've only got I, goats and chickens. That's I mean they're so versatile. Um on the top picture you said you were kind of repurposing a rice paddy and <laughs> using using the goats and chickens, trying to grow vegetables after the land has been uh, full of water for such a long time. It must be a process. How's it going? It's uh, well, it's still a bog. Um, the, there's a lot of satoimo. They've survived, so we're growing a lot of satoimo at the moment. I'm yeah, I, I'm still looking for kind of crops that will do well in waterlogged soil. But I think once the once the summer true summer comes and it dries out a bit, I'm going to work on the soil. Actually, try to mix in some, uh, I don't know, maybe wood chips or something to try and dry it out and to reduce the acidity. Uh, and then maybe next year will be more versatile. You know, we'll be able to grow a more a, a wider range of crops. But at the moment, it's just satoimon. <laughs> So, Sweet potato, yeah. which is so high in nutrients. It's such a, yes. a wonderful food. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also I saw your picture in the snow and how your chickens were not impressed with the snow at all. They didn't no, like it, they, huh? That's right. Especially if the avalanche from the roof, the, they've been buried a couple of times. They're, no fatalities. They're, they're fine. But yeah, it's just a case of, again, managing uh, manage, managing what nature throws at us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you so. usually get so much snow or was that unusual this year? Uh, no, we're getting much less snow than usual. We're right next to the mountains. So we will, we will get, we, there has been a history, you know, it, it, it does snow here regularly, but the Heavy snow like this is becoming much rarer. So this year we only had one, I think one lot of snow from these photos. Yeah. But yeah, so becoming um, rarer, but yeah. we still get it. You can see the design of your garden, even in the winter there. So you're still doing your pond. What do you keep in your pond? Is it fish? Yeah, we have a medaka. And basically, it's just uh, wildlife, you know, lots of frogs, uh, of course, that attracts snakes. And uh, we have one at the moment, one turtle, I think, terrapin, freshwater turtle is in there. But yeah, a lot of wildlife. And of course, soon uh, dragonflies, tombo. So yeah, it's great. And the, the one half is kind of a wetland. Uh, which during the middle of the summer, when there's less, much less water, we connect the grey water of the house 
to that area and it, it can manage about 50% of our grey water without becoming overwhelmed as it, is, as it were. It looks like you have a nice variety of shrubs and vegetables and, and different plants, plants. Do you try yeah. to have a variety in terms of uh, repelling bugs or attracting the right kinds of bugs? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mostly attracting bugs. And I figured, you know, if it's natural, then it, the, <laughs> the, the pests will be in balance. Um, yeah, you can see the from the wall there's there's kind of a, a quite a mix there's um try try to get a variety of environments for the animals so even cut grass can provide a good environment for some animals so it's important to have the variety if you're cutting grass I, if i'm cutting grass I, I i certainly won't cut everything i'll just cut part of it and then in the next three weeks i'll go back and cut the other area and leave you know what was uh, cut before but yeah so basically all the space we have i try it's either basically producing some kind of food or having some positive effect in in terms of providing flowers or shelter for the local variety of um yeah wildlife and it, it looks like you have repurposed tires and you're doing yeah. rain catchment as well as a green roof. Can you talk about those three elements? Yeah, well, I, I, while kind of planning the house, you know, I, I watch a lot of um, design, house design programs, mostly. So, yeah, building, building houses with tires and... Uh, compressed earth is is a, is a great way to build and also of course in this case for landscaping it's a wonderful use of the resources and uh yeah they, those tires have now disappeared virtually the, we can't you can't see them at all so it was very successful and uh yeah they were also used around the the drainage the natural drainage system around the house which uh, yeah i don't have pictures of that we use tires just to, just as a barrier to create a kind of a natural uh not reservoir a natural water sink for the water coming off the roof uh which we didn't any water we don't capture just drains away naturally usually <laughs> uh, during a typhoon does yeah. that help to keep the house cooler by holding that water in the tires from the roof yeah, I mean, that's that's the idea. If you can let water drain away naturally, it will stay where, you know, it will stay in the soil longer rather than trying to get rid of it all at once, putting it into a drainage system. I think it's much better to have as much, you know, natural drainage as you can. We do have flooding. It Because of that, we, um, I have, during a typhoon, I have to go out and fix pipes to the house and reroute the water to a, a, a drain to stop flooding. But generally, um, yeah, the, the water just stays where it is mostly. Wow. And all of these tires, have you had this many cars or are these from friends or where do you get all your tires? No, actually, we're lucky. Well, there's a guy in the village. He's um, a young guy. He does custom, you know, those kind of Yankee 
racing kind of Yankee cars. So you'll probably, I don't know if you noticed that the wheels are actually, the, the tires are actually much wider, higher than normal, wider than usual, which was perfect for our needs. So he was more than happy for me to take as many as I wanted. So if anyone's building a house and they want some tires, <laughs> they're welcome. Yeah. That's great. Uh, one one thing we find a lot doing our cleanups is styrofoam from the buoys, the floaties on the oyster industry, keeping the, the floating oyster beds afloat, also in the fishing industry, also at the beaches, uh, separating the swimming areas. Can tires be repurposed for floating things? I was, I was thinking of alternatives. They used to use the glass balls and I was wondering, could other materials work? Because tires are water resistant and they hold air. I yeah. wonder, might be an well, idea they, there. They, uh, tires sink, <clears throat> so they, they couldn't be used. I think the materials, right. and, and also they, they contain a lot of steel, steel okay. wire. So I think they're actually probably quite difficult to recycle. So, yeah. you know, it goes back to this closed loop the whole mindset of we have to change the whole manufacturing processes so things are easier to repurpose or recycle, upcycle. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think at the moment, unfortunately, no. Yeah. So. Well, I, I like your idea of using it in the garden and building up the garden and then the rain would repurpose down as it cascades down. That's a nice idea. Yeah, um, that's right. Tell us about the green roof. What is the idea behind green roof and what are the benefits of it? Well, again, uh, from watching, you know, just from research and just watching uh, house design programs, you know, green roofs are very extremely good at uh, insulating. And that is the, I think that was one of the main reasons why you can if you put them on houses they they're extremely beneficial uh so for me it was just a case of uh i wanted to try to do it and uh, i had space roof space which is in this case from the photo you can see it's uh, the shed uh and that's why i got onto making you know developing green roofs i think they're wonderful yeah absolutely and the added benefits, of course, are, you know, they support biodiversity, they soak up water, they collect water and release the water naturally, very slowly. Uh, of course, capture carbon. And they can, I think they do, if, they, if they're made properly, they will last a long time. They will actually last longer than a regular roof, maybe, which needs changing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, also uh, insulation, right? So it keeps it cooler or warmer under the green roof. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, like I said, the for houses, this is a particular, you know, even more beneficial because you're actually saving energy. But in this case, for the shed, the it it is you know very cool in the in the summer. It's it's a huge difference. Yeah. So. They're very effective at uh, insulating buildings. 
Yeah. yeah. I really want to put one, a green roof above our shed um, because it's right next to the house and it, you can, it has that clear plastic on it from a, okay. the previous owner. So it just really heats up and it's right next to the house. So I think if I can do a green roof there, it would really cool that whole section of the house. Absolutely. It will. You just, the, when you're making a green roof, you have to be careful. Think about the weight. So you have to make sure the structure is strong enough. And uh, but that's really the only limitation. Uh, and if the pitch is too steep, then maybe not so suitable. Right. But probably pro most most roofs like that outdoor roofs are fine. So okay, yeah, yeah. I might get your advice a bit more specific on my roof later. <laughs> yeah, pleasure. Let's let's talk about some of the things that you've planted that are multifunctional. So, for example, the jute. And the loofah, I found really interesting. Can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, jute, of, well, as many will know, jute can be used for, you know, as a fiber for clothing. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful, it's, it's a great salad. You can use it as a salad or a vegetable. So I only started growing it last year, but it's, yeah, it's, it's growing again this year. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe I'll try to make some, a little bit of fiber, see if it works. But yeah. So yeah, wow. it's, good. it's good. What a great idea. What's it called in Japanese? Do you know? Or where did you get the seeds? I forgot. I yeah. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> That's but okay. yeah, I did I'll, get the I'll seeds. do some research as well. Yeah, what a great idea. Something you can use the fiber of for making fabrics, but also you can eat it and it's nutritious and it grows well and it catches carbon. I love these multifunctional great alternatives right that's awesome. right yeah 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 and like you mentioned we we have these the loofers so uh, we have a again space save space uh good for urban environment creating shade for windows uh and you can at the end of the season you can create you know have these loofers for your kitchen or bathroom great <laughs> and here, here you have like a typical sponge next to the loofah, so to show that you can yeah. use them in the same way. Is that right? That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, you, I mean, you can eat them before they become fibrous, like like this. But uh, I haven't actually, I've never actually harvested one, harvested one to eat yet. I'll try this year. Wow. Yeah. And uh, in other things that you're you're growing in the garden, which I think is really interesting. So you've got all these pots of water with some ferns growing on it. Do they have fish inside to eat the yep. mosquitoes? Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, traveling around Southeast Asia, you, you see this everywhere. You know, in in the cities, you see these. Uh, they're really lovely to have. They again, they have a cool a cooling effect. They support, you know, a, a huge variety of insects and grubs. Uh, these particular ones, they have uh, lily, uh, yeah, lilies in one of them, and the other has just uh, medaka, the uh, fish, yeah. And in the middle, you can see the photo. You can see baby uh, saplings. Uh, these are willow saplings, so which I hope to pass on to friends around in the community, I hope. Yeah, wonderful. 
Uh, let's talk about the other self-sufficiency that you have, some of the other foods from your garden. So you've been making some fig jam. You've got yes. some great fig trees, huh? We do, but again, actually the figs, most of the figs are from the community. So, you know, because there's a, many, I don't know why, but so many fruit trees are just unharvested, you know, come the end of the seasons. So, uh, yeah, I we the, the really good figs come not from our garden from but from around the local area um wow. at the moment we're fighting with biwa we have a lot of look i think laquat way, way too many biwa fruit so we're making biwa jam at the moment oh yes you have everything <laughs> yeah I, ha I got that one ready. Um, so Biwa, you can also make Biwa Laquats into jam. Is that right as well? Yes. Yeah. With uh, a lot of, well, it needs vanilla. Well, the recipe we use vanilla and yeah, ginger, vanilla, ginger, Laquats. So very nice. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. And this is this is another thing about aging society. Like you mentioned, getting fruit from your neighbor. I hear this a lot for people living in the rural areas that their neighbors have fruit trees, but they don't have enough energy or, you know, interest in getting all the fruit off. So it just falls and rots. So what some groups are doing um, is going around offering to pick it and then give the owner as much as they want and then taking the rest to sell or to use for themselves. So yeah. it's nice to hear this kind of innovation going on. Yeah, wonderful idea. Yeah, um, yeah I'm sure there are apps out there, but of course a, a good app would be to, for a city particularly, would be for to locate all the fruit trees around the, the area. So people can forage in the cities as much as they want. That'd be quite a nice app for someone to develop or to share if it's already developed. That's a great idea. I love that. Because um, especially now, I think we've, we know that a lot of people are food insecure, that a lot of people have been laid off during coronavirus. Yeah. So if people have food growing in their garden, they're not using, we want to deal with food waste issues. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's a you know, thing, it's, it's a wasted resource. It's a shame. Although, of course, crows and wildlife don't waste anything that drops in terms yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's nice security. that at least if it, if it does drop, it'll compost and become part of dirt. It'll become part of nature again, which is, is not the worst thing, but it'd be nice no. to use that for people who need it, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had another picture of late growing tomatoes. So you had tomatoes in autumn, which is usually a summer vegetable. Um, and I don't know what the yellow yeah. is. Is that a kind of squash? No, they're, they're, they're tomatoes. Oh, <laughs> yellow wow. To, yellow tomatoes, yeah. So we have so quite, you, a, quite a few varieties. So you have a long season for tomatoes. That's my favorite vegetable to grow because we yeah. eat so many in our family that I love growing tomatoes and basil and just yes. keep going, you know, just keep eating it. I wish I could grow it all year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the first year I did it. They just keep, they, in the summer, they do die down quite a, quite a bit. And I think a lot of people think maybe that's as I did. That's the end. Uh, might as well pull it up and use, you know, use the space for something for for the winter or autumn. 
But uh, this time I just left two or three of the vines or plants and they just kept, kept producing through to November. And yeah, and then you have a, at the end, you have all the green tomatoes, which will never ripen. You can use those for chutney. Uh, green tomato chutney is wonderful. So, yeah. Awesome. And now, because so many fell, now that particular vegetable bed is now pushing up a whole load of tomato plants <laughs> for this year. That's great. So, yeah. yeah, it's all it's all going full cycle without too much work in your garden. That's what we should well, all aim for. Perfect. That's the idea. Yeah, work with work with the cycle, and uh, hopefully nature can do most of the hard work. So, yeah. Well, is it yeah, the the pitchfork farm? You know, they they do no tilling, so that's the ultimate in farming. Is yeah, no plowing at all. So wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, Fukuoka Sensei, right? From Shikoku yeah, with fantastic. his uh, one, what is it? One grain revolution, one straw revolution, uh, his yeah. book. And I remember reading it when I was in California and some people saw me reading it and said, I've read that book. I love his ideas of just throwing seeds out there and letting nature take over. Yeah, it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Great. So what's happening in, it's happening in that uh field i took over um, anything extra from this garden goes into that field if it survives that's good if it doesn't <laughs> that's that's okay too yeah uh let's talk about eggs and your your children being involved in all the chores because you have gardens you have animals to tend you have quite a few chores going on um how engaged and active are your kids as they grow up i saw your daughter was holding a big bullfrog so they're obviously <laughs> comfortable with uh wild animals being around um, absolutely it, yeah yeah have they lost interest in helping out or are they Okay. Yeah. Do you, do you want me to be honest? Yeah. <laughs> yes. As as they reach their teenage, yeah, they tend to yeah, the, the novelty wears off and it becomes a chore. So, so it moves from being an adventure to a chore. Yeah. But the idea Which is, you know, I hear from other people who've moved into the countryside, and the kids are so helpful and so enthusiastic. And then as they get older, they're like, "No, you do that. That's your thing, mom." You know. Yeah. But my hope is, you know, when my grandfather grew food as as most of that generation did and my parents also grew food uh and i'm sure that that affects children you know um just just being exposed to it the idea and hopefully even though now it does seem mature it, it will be passed on and they'll be growing stuff in their middle years or even earlier i hope yeah it's it's a huge benefit and just knowing what vegetables are and where meat comes from they have a direct understanding of the animal to meat connection which i think a lot of city folk maybe growing up in the cities don't don't quite understand so it's a much more healthy relationship to your food and how important it is to think about where your food comes from and yeah, self-sufficiency Yes, yeah. Well, there's the wonderful. Well, there's the um, a few of these documentaries have focused on the yeah the the gap between children's knowledge and what they're eating, and you know they've gone to the classrooms and held up a 
a potato and they'd say, oh, it's a tomato or a pumpkin or something. And it's, yeah, the, the knowledge needs to be there, I think, as part of education. I often send my children out, please go and get some kind of herb or vegetable. And they have to, it's like a quiz. They have to know it or be ashamed if they don't know it. <laughs> Are they also learning like you guys are doing jamming? Uh, looks like you're pickling eggs when you have a lot of eggs. Um, you're oh, yes. making yogurts, you're making cheeses, you're making breads. Um, you're also like marinating olives. You're doing yes. so much with the treatment of food for preservation. Is this hmm. something the kids are also learning? Well, I hope so. Yes, they yeah, they they made the jam actually yesterday. Uh, in the weekend they i gave them that was it just handed over the recipe and they had to do it so yeah i think it's an important you know skill for the future for sure preserving food yeah the biggest disappointment is they really like the pickled eggs i was hoping no one would like them and they would all be mine but <laughs> they're very popular with the family so uh, well how do you how do you pickle them what's your recipe it's really simple. It's just, well, there's, uh, you know, with the, there's so many recipes and you just combine based on what's in the pantry, what you, what we have, but generally, um, herbs from the garden. So sage, rosemary, thyme, maybe, uh, black pepper and vinegar and a little bit of sugar and salt. That's all. Very nice. Sounds, sounds awesome. Please, please try. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to be vegan, but if I had chickens ah, yes. with my own eggs, then I, yes. I might think about it. That's a very different solution to the problem, right? If you have your own animals making your own eggs, then you're cutting down a lot of the carbon of the yeah. factory system, right? Yes, and it's a genuine solution to a problem. You know, um, we have some stage we stages we have uh, too many eggs, so it's a really good way to do, you know, to, to solve that problem. Yeah. So do you boil the eggs first and then pickle them? They're not raw right. eggs, right? Yeah. No. Okay. Just, just, um, hard boiled and then yeah, peeled. And then you just have to spike them each side. So the juice marinade can go inside. Yeah. So. Wow. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, what what are you doing in the picture above with your daughter? Is that part of your property? Oh yeah. Um, locally, they collect the animal. If there are farms which have animals, they they collect the manure, and they mix it with the rice husks. So it makes an absolute really perfect, I think, um, base for you know digging into the garden, dig, improving the soil. So in this is just in addition to our own manure, but this is kind of better because it's very can go very powdery and can be dug in very easily. Um, from our goats, what what comes from our goats is with straw, you know, like straw and manure mixed. So it's a little bit difficult to break up. So this is me just yeah, it's another re free resource. It's great. Wow. And they give it away for free, do they? Yeah, you can see around dotted around the countryside, these large, huge, monstrous buildings in the middle of ironically in the middle of paddy fields. So they've obviously cleared a whole load of paddy fields to produce 
these collection buildings where all the local farmers bring their rice to be sold, I guess, and processed. And usually at the back of these places, you'll find these deposits of, uh, yeah, farm waste. Wow. Yeah, and it's free. You just drive in and pick it up. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. When we were talking to avid home gardeners who are growing a lot of food, Flow and Blaze, we're actually going to talk to them in a couple of weeks for their two years since they started. And one of the suggestions Thomas gave them, who's at Pitchfork Farms, you mentioned, is yeah. to, if you need more dirt, because they were filling all these raised beds and paying so much for the dirt from the garden center. And he said, oh. you can hire one of these trucks full of dirt or maybe manure and rice bran like this and it's it's, it's so cheap it's like five thousand yen for a ton or something that's so right I, yeah and that's probably just the delivery charge right so there are some yes. real bargains eh? yeah and uh i don't know their situation but if you if they look around and, and see a um a paddy field being cleared which they're still doing unfortunately you know and changed over to a car park or housing a house then you can just approach the lorry drivers you know if it's fairly close and they probably will deliver a, a load for free which is what we did actually they um yeah just delivered a, a truckload of dirt for free wow. so yeah well your garden looks so healthy and you're doing such a good job but of course this is a side hustle you're a full-time university professor right <laughs> I, I so am. how how much time are you able to find a balance like you're taking care of animals you're gardening you're also teaching full-time how's your work-life balance here well dare i say the the pandemic has improved things a little so i, I spend more time at home of course uh, teaching online but um well my schedule is is quite light to be honest although it's full-time so I, I, I'm, I'm lucky to be able to spend a lot of time at home. Yeah, that's the short answer. <laughs> but, uh, you have, you have a, a great variety um, that in the garden. What are some of the things that are sprouting now, now that we're going into summer? Yeah, well, this, this is the, probably the biggest crop would be the blackberries. Uh, we, someone, uh, a local was very kind and gave us some blackberry vines some years ago and they're voracious, they, they're crazy, they're how fast they grow. So they can, they could easily take over a garden if you don't manage them carefully, but they do produce uh, an enormous crop. And uh, yeah, now actually it will start in about one week, we'll be getting blackberries for about two or three weeks. So yeah. That's one thing I wanted to do actually, this year I'm doing it, I'm kind of um, noting down the times of all the different crops we have to see if there's a, what kind of continuation there is. Because you know, the biwa is now finishing and now the blackberries will kind of start, take over from the laquats. So yeah, it's good. Good. And one of one of the other interesting things we haven't talked about yet is your biodiesel car, which smells like tempura. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we uh, fourteen years ago uh, with a family coming along, an expanding family. We we did need a car, so this is our first car, 
And uh, looking at all the options, the running a car on a second-hand car, old car, on waste oil, basically, it was, was what I chose. So I did the research and we came up with um, the best solution was a, it's called a two tank waste vegetable oil VW waste WVO uh, system. So we start and close with diesel, like two minutes of diesel, but the rest of the journey, however long or short will be on the uh, main tank, which is now filled with waste oil. And that's really, the, that's all That's all it is. Um, we heat, the, the oil is heated before it goes into the engine. So that makes the viscosity lower or, yeah, lower. Is it lower or higher? It make, makes it more, <laughs> less viscous. And uh, yeah, it can be burned just like diesel. So last time we were talking about um, the smell, right? Like if you're in the UK and you're using reused oil um, from right. chip shops, then it might smell like fish and <laughs> chips, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, we're lucky. We have um, two suppliers of oil, uh, which we where we collect regularly. Um, one is called. It's like a. In Japanese, they call themselves the country 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 life. Uh, convenience store but it's basically all local food and they do tempura so they produce a lot of oil for us so it's vegetable it's it's all vegetable based so it's nice wow yeah. and is there quite a process to make it into usable oil or can you just put it straight in your engine yeah basically you let it settle and then you put it through like a, a sock which is uh, in in terms of microns, it's down a 10, 10 microns, and then a second sock will be uh, one micron. So basically, you're just filtering the oil, uh, and you can. I have a system where you just pour it in, and then it just drips, drip feeds through, um, and that's it. So actually, it's not it's not biodiesel uh, in terms. You know, biodiesel is is chemically heated uh, it's heated and then chemically changed to to kind of uh, copy the properties of diesel but this is actually just waste oil that's a cleaned waste oil so wow. no, no changes made that is wild when i when i visited um for a research trip to kamikatsu the zero waste town uh, they were collecting oil, uh, cooking oil from all the residents in the community. Mm. And then they were using it in their farm tractors um, okay. in agriculture. And I thought, well, that's a really great community effort to make biodiesel, yeah. right? That's wonderful. Yeah. So so yeah. Were they, they were actually making the biodiesel then from that. That's good. That's yeah. what they said. Yeah. So they were trying yeah. a, a bunch of different ways <laughs> to reuse all of their waste in many different ways. So that was wonderful yeah. to see. Now, one yeah. of the one of the things in the design we didn't we touched on a little bit last time was about insulation and how you imported a kind of insulation called super quilt, which is reflective right. and keeps out the sun. Have you noticed as everybody around the world is struggling with heat? right now mm. have you found that this is very effective it is very yes extremely effective we we don't have air conditioning um my 
we do need fans the most the time we need fans the most is during the night when the air is very still and it's still there's residual heat in the in the air because the house is always in the summer open completely open um for the, for the air to flow through so it's only really mid mid midsummer at the hottest times that we have all like fans going throughout the house but uh, again if we get the breeze we don't need the fans it just needs the breeze and the trees that are now the, the deciduous trees we planted around the house they're they're producing more and more shade and with that shade will come cooler breezes we we hope well it will they'll be cooler as they get larger so yeah it's a very very effective uh, insulation and very wow, thin great. it's extremely thin yeah because yeah. you were saying you were researching a bunch of different insulation uh since talking yes. to you i had talked to people who remodeled houses and some of them use sh uh, sheep's wool uh, from yes. new zealand as an insulator there's a lot of different choices um but this one was was a good one uh as you've experienced super quilt was it called yeah super quilt yeah that's it yeah super yeah. quilt yeah i've um the problem with the choice is you never you never know how unless you get the information from a Japanese site you don't know how the it will perform with the humidity you know Japanese high humidity so I was a bit wary of the sheep wool but uh, yeah if someone's using it successfully that's great it's a, that is a good resource um, yeah, good. but the pro the one problem with the wool would be that it it will insulate in the winter but not the summer. So you don't oh. get these the effect for the summer. Yeah, so, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. think about that. Uh, you yeah. definitely want something that's going to work in the heat, especially now everybody's struggling with climate change. So it's yes. it's nice to have these solutions. And if it's light and easy to ship to Japan or anywhere in the world, this is a good solution, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Louise, who's in New Zealand, says merino is great summer and winter. Yeah, that's what I've heard for clothing. I don't know about house insulation, but maybe, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, about five more minutes. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you've been focused on recently? Um, not really. The, the big thing was just the, the extra field at the back. Uh, trying to, that's going to be my summer project, really. Trying to change the soil, get it more uh, drain, drained and possibly acidic, lower the acidity. But uh, no, unfortunately, I don't. <laughs> not much else. No. No, no, that's good. Yeah. If anybody's interested, again, I'll bring up your, your website. Um, but also Please, maybe yeah. write a write a comment, and if anybody has specific questions, we can get back to you on those. Well, do, doing this show kind of energizes me too, because prob probably the last blog. Well, yeah, maybe the last. <laughs> I, I will now try to do more, add add more to the blog. When I'm wow. when I'm out in the garden, I always have these ideas. Oh, I should share this or I should. But by the time I've come back in, that's it. I, I haven't I, I you know, haven't taken the photos and the idea is gone. <laughs> no, I get it. It's such a time time crunch. You start doing something like uploading photos. You end up half the day on the computer for some reason. You get sure. sucked into lots of other work, right? Yeah. Actually, one one thing I could say is this year I've, I've 
I'm using uh, waste, you know, weeds more and more as mulch to keep the drive, you know, uh, walking areas clear of weeds. Rather than weeding, I'm now just covering them with mulch and then I move it along. And it doesn't take long for the mulch to actually kill, you know, the weeded areas. And then, yeah, you don't have to use plastic, which a lot of people do. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great way to keep uh, weeding, you know, um, like car park areas clear of weeds or stopping the weeds from gaining a foothold. So that's one thing I'm doing at the moment. More and more. That's a, that's a great idea. Um, it seems like you wouldn't have any weeds anywhere because of your goats. Um, but I guess even even with the goats, you still have some weeds sometimes, huh? Yeah, and the goats don't come into the garden, so <laughs> goats in gardens are not a good not a good oh, combination. Yeah. They would eat all the good stuff too, right? Yeah, absolutely. They they <laughs> are they're amazing. They know exactly the, the high value plants. <laughs> So yeah, chickens too, actually. Oh really? Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, they always they always eat the things you don't want them to eat. Uh, you've learned so much about about uh, keeping chickens and goats eating the stuff you don't want and keeping mm. them away from what you want, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you what? so much, Ian. There was great insights and uh, hopefully useful to people listening. If you're in Japan or anywhere around the world. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, thank, thank you so you. much. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much, Ian. Thanks, everyone, for Thank joining. You, Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much.